following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. It's a privilege to preach again this week. I want to uh, do part two of the message that we started last week. And just to recap a little, we talked about the reality that in Isaiah chapter 43, God had said, I will do a new thing. On the day of Pentecost, it was no longer I will, but it is I am. And I, wanted, I suggested that from this day forward and that day in history, it is no longer I will do a new thing. It is always I am because I am is sitting on the throne and he has a message which he is constantly speaking out and it is behold I do a new thing. And so the resurrection power of Jesus Christ has been moving forward but I I wanted uh, I want to take us again to the umbrella scripture that we ministered under last week Acts chapter 2 and I wanted us to look last week and again this week at the very first sermon that was preached because we're taught we're ministering under the theme of the church defined and There was nothing more radical happening on uh, on planet earth, I believe, than there was on the day of Pentecost. Because all of heaven was breaking loose. And Peter stands up in in, uh, Acts, recorded in Acts chapter 2. And the people are wondering what's going on because you remember the Holy Spirit visits the upper room and drives the people out into the street. And they're preaching the gospel basically or prophesying on every known language on planet earth because of the gift of tongues that was upon them. And um, Peter stands up and says, listen, this is that which was promised by God. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy, Uh, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and on your manservants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy. And we talked about the reality that one of the primary purposes of the church of Jesus Christ is to be a prophetic voice to the nations, to be the voice of God. But the voice that we carry is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I invited you last week and I'll invite you again this week. Please give your efforts to making the name of Jesus Christ great again in America. That is the call that's upon the church, and that is the primary call that is upon the church, and um, that is where the anointing is, that is where the grace is. And you and I have the privilege of being carriers. Uh, You notice it said the sons and daughters will prophesy, the maid servants will prophesy. We have the privilege of being carriers of the message of God. And the testimony, anytime you're testifying of Jesus, you're prophesying. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Do want to make mention of the higher call class that we got coming up. Um, uh, 
Colleen and I, along with Henry and Leslie, took in a class of Kristen Diarpa's in June, I think it was, on uh, relational evangelism. It was excellent, and uh, we're going to be uh, offering it in higher call. She's going to be, she, Kristen Diarpa, will be teaching the class via video series. And it is just a very good series on helping you and I be intentional in connecting with people, in praying for people, in relating to people in non-threatening ways. And it is an excellent uh, series that just causes us That was on me, guys and gals. And so we need to know um, that uh, we are vo the voice for Jesus. And this is just an excellent class on not only leading people to Christ, but then when and where you can, journeying with them in their spiritual journey or making sure they get plugged in somewhere. So uh, I highly recommend it. That's Thursday evenings, October 7th, 14th, 21st, and 28th, which is every Thursday in October. That's easy to remember. And there's more information, and you can sign up in the lobby. Uh, and you will be able to sign up online very soon. I haven't gotten the information to the proper places, um, but we will be doing that soon. So, but last week I developed something and I want us to understand it. And somebody said to me after, you were kind of intense. Yes, I was intense because I want us to catch the intensity of what was going on on the day of Pentecost because God was doing a brand new thing. And all of a sudden, see, it said he'd pour spirit out on all flesh. So that meant he was going to pour his spirit out on the Gentiles. And we read in the book of Acts, they had this great debate about how could he do this? And yet Peter had prophesied it on the day of Pentecost. And it was radically new. So now you have assemblies with Jews and Gentiles sitting side by side in what now is called the church. And they're equal. In Isaiah chapter 43, where it says, Behold, I do a new thing. There's something that is said before that. And I believe this is why so many Jews could not accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, Forget the former things. The key to entering in every, in every season of life, the key to entering into the new thing is, uh, that God is doing is forget the former thing. When Renee preached a couple weeks ago and we did these altar stones, she did a good job of reminding us it's not about the thing that God did. It's about the God who did the thing. That's who we remember. That's who we put ourselves in remembrance of. Because it's not good to focus on the thing God does because he's going to do a new thing and it'll ruffle your feathers. And sometimes he does such a new thing, you say, that can't be God. Well, why can't that be God? He's never done that before. Maybe not in your life. The mantra of the church, we've never done it that way before. 
But not only did you have Jew and Gentile sitting side by side now in a church service because of the new thing God was doing, you had master and slave sitting side by side in a church service as equals. And if that isn't enough, and here's where I'm going this morning, and this is what I was so wound up about last week, and I am again this week. Not only did you have Jew and Gentile sitting side by side, not only equal, not only did you have master and slave sitting side by side equal, but you had men and women sitting side by side equal. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I'm going to pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people who never had a voice, all of a sudden had one. Gentiles had a voice. How do I know that? Because God poured his spirit out on them and they prophesied. They spoke in tongues. They gave voice to God. Gentiles. Dogs, Jesus called them. Remember the Syrophoenician woman comes in to get healing for her daughter? And Jesus says it's not right for dogs to come to the master's table. He was basically saying, you're outside the covenant. He knew that was about to change, but you remember her remark? And it, he, it left him saying, wow, I have not seen such faith in all of Israel. He said, yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the table. And she got the healing she was looking for. And it was just a precursor of what to come. You remember when the, the woman caught in adultery was brought to Jesus' feet and they said, what should we do? Because they were testing him. They knew what they should do. The law told them that she should be stoned to death. Not only that, the law told them that the one who caught her should throw the first stone. But there's a new covenant being ushered in. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I am is on the scene. He's doing a new thing. And he puts her... This woman just caught an adultery that's at his feet. By the way, they wonder why he knelt down, and they wonder what he wrote on the ground. I really don't care what he wrote on the ground. What I care about is he got himself down on her level so that if they stoned her, they'd stone him. And that, too, was a prophetic picture of what he was about to do for all of mankind. But all of a sudden, this woman caught an adultery He puts on the equal plane with the crowd all around her holding stones. And he says, okay, let the one that w among you that is without sin cast the first stone. There was no doubt she was a sinner. But all of a sudden, they all are. And she and they are equal. Because I am doing a new thing. That's for the woman caught in adultery. And we need to understand this amazing... You, 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 
We understand that if you can catch this, you understand why whole cities get turned upside down by this new way, this new sect, this new gospel, this, this religion that just includes everybody and makes everybody equal. It's a religion that causes the apostle Paul to write that they that are baptized were baptized into Christ and now there's neither Jew nor Greek. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah, not only that, there's neither uh, slave nor free. Oh, come on. Yeah, oh, but more than that, there's neither male nor female. Oh, come on. And there's this tremendous equalizer that the gospel does that makes us all children of God. Makes us all sons and daughters of the Most High God. Last week I focused on this whole thing of the equality of men and women. And I want to focus on it again. I wanted to preach on that under the banner of we, what we, living waters, believe. But it fits very well here because of the amazing new thing that God was doing back then and still is. He's going to pour out His Spirit on sons and daughters. Male servants, but female servants too. It's like, He can't do that. Unless, of course, He's God. We talked last week about that portion of Scripture in... in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where we, we, love, we just seem to love to focus on a little, little tiny couple verses taken out of a long context of Paul bringing correction to disorderly meetings where it says, God is not the author of confusion. Women be silent in the church. Aha! <laughs> Trouble is, a couple chapters earlier, he gave women permission to prophesy and pray in church. Out loud. And we tend to miss the fact that before he ever told women to be silent, he told prophets to be silent. Three verses earlier, you prophets be silent. If one is waiting to speak, be silent. And not only that, one verse ahead of that, he tells tongue talkers to be silent. Don't bring a discourse in tongues if there's not an interpreter. Be silent. And he's bringing order to a disorderly service. You can read the whole context of it. And it's in that context that he says, yes, tongue talkers be silent if you don't have an interpreter. Yes, prophetic voices be silent if there's someone else waiting to speak. And yes, women be silent. Learn at home. And we raise the question, why would the women have questions? Why would they have to learn at home? Because they're uneducated and all of a sudden they're invited into this family where they have a voice. And they're, they're playing catch up. They're on a huge learning curve along with the slaves. By the way, that word silent just means don't be disruptive in your speech. One of the 
primary values we've had here at Living Waters really since the beginning is the equality of men and women. I said last week, and I'll say again, if you're a woman here this morning, you do not need a man to stand between you and Jesus. There is headship in the family, but that's the family structure. My wife doesn't need me to get to Jesus. Your wife doesn't need you to get to Jesus. If she did, then when you pass, does she lose her salvation? You see how silly we get sometimes? Is a single woman not saved or part of the body because she has no head? She does have a head. His name is Jesus. Am I head in my family? Yes, but I'm not the chief head. She, my wife submits unto me as unto the Lord. In the same way, I'm a shepherd in this house, but I'm not the chief shepherd. So in my family, I'm the head, but I'm not the chief head. Give me a break. And so there's this tremendous liberty that the gospel of Jesus Christ brought to all of humanity. But the thing that I want to focus on again this week is the liberty that it brought and an equality between men and women. In the same way that it brought an equality between Jew and Greek or slave and free. It's interesting to me in that portion from Joel that he says, I will pour out my spirit on your manservants and your maidservants. Actually, it says my manservants and my maidservants, capital M. And there's this amazing equality that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings to all humanity. That's why the church should be and has been over the years involved in being a voice for equality. Whether it was woman suffrage, whether it was racial tensions, It doesn't matter. The church has a voice, and it's a prophetic voice to a people. There's a lot of talk in this day about our freedoms as a nation and all this, but we need to understand the freedom that we have does not come from the Constitution. It comes from God. Amen. And that's the primary freedom. And it's a liberty to be your own per person. And to do what God has called you to do. We said last week that we would put into practice good hermeneutics. Which is just a fancy word for proper interpretation of scripture. So we applied it last week when we looked at 1 Corinthians 14. This week I want to apply good hermeneutics as we look at. 1 Timothy chapter 2, another verse that gets taken out of context so often. There's three principles to good biblical interpretation. The first is that the best interpretation of Scripture is other Scriptures. The second is that any 
Scripture must be interpreted in the context in which it was written. And the third is that any scripture that is interpreted in the context in which it is written will not contradict other scriptures. And we see Apostle Paul writing in almost all his letters with great respect for women. And, but, but for some reason, there's two places. We addressed part of it last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where it seems like he doesn't like women. And when we see that, we really need to look at the context because it's not in keeping with who the Apostle Paul was. In chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, it seems like he's against marriage, but he's not. One of the most profound scriptures, if, if, you're, if you're here this morning married, I, there's a portion of scripture that I guarantee you will bring great health to your marriage. And it was written by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul was not against marriage. He says in, in chapter 7, I think it is 1 Corinthians, it's good for a man not to marry. But we forget that he says, before that, because of the current distresses, the writer of Hebrews says marriage is honorable. So we said last week, and I'll say again, there's two places we will not go because it's silliness. We will not assume that Paul hated women. That's silly. Number two, we will not assume that he was just giving his own opinion and wasn't writing apostolically. That's silly too. I'm not comfortable with either of them, but I am comfortable with looking at the context in which something is written and why it's written and what it means. Everybody take a deep breath. Turning your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul is writing to Timothy, and it's good for us, if we're going to look at Scripture in the context of what it is written, it's good for us to understand where Timothy was and what was going on at the time. Timothy is in Ephesus. You may remember that Ephesus is the city that got turned upside down by the Apostle Paul, so much so that the people brought all their books and burned them, and the silversmith gets all upset. Uh, because he's losing his followers and losing his business. The hallmark, if I could say it that way, to the city of Ephesus was this, it actually was considered one of the wonders of the world, was this temple onto the goddess Artemis who is also known in the Roman culture as the goddess Diana. And so it's in this context that Paul is writing, because he says some things that seem really weird, like women will be saved in childbirth. What is he talking about? Why does he say that? Well, let's read the text, and then we'll talk about why he said that, I believe. I, uh, verse 8, chapter 2. 
I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere. By the way, the men there means bearded ones. <laughs> men. <laughs> I desire, therefore, that the men everywhere pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women ordain them or adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold pearls or costly clothing, but with which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, to, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. I want to address that last verse we read there right off the bat. Why would the Apostle Paul write that? It's almost like a threat, but it wasn't. Artemis, the goddess Artemis, was the goddess of fertility, and the women in that culture. Now remember, we've got to remember this. Just like Corinth was a port city, Ephesus is a port city, what does that mean? That means you've got people coming into it from all over. And it's a very pagan society. And it's a mixture of all kinds of things. So you've got Greek and Jew. You've got Roman. Um, you've got, uh, you know, j just uh, such a mixture. And so Paul puts the women in remembrance that their hope and their confidence in safety and childbirth comes from their faith in Jesus Christ, not their faith in Ar God, the goddess Artemis, to whom the women of that day looked to for both conception and delivery. We're just putting things in context. Did you know that the church that we read about in the book of Acts did not start in America? Did you know that Jesus was not American? Did you know that if we don't put, if we don't get into the society in which things are written, we, we have this skewed view. It's like, if, I know many of us would say, well, I would have loved to have been there on the day of Pentecost. I would have loved to have been there in the early days of the church. I'll tell you what, it was really messy. It was crazy. It was wild. And you say, well, Pastor Bob, were you there? How do you know that? I know that because I know that any time you introduce something that brings an equality among all people, all heaven and hell is breaking loose. The Apostle Paul writes and says it's probably not wise to get married because of the huge persecution that was going on at that time. He wasn't against marriage, but it was a turbulent time. He writes most of his letters from prison.
So it's in that context that Paul is writing to Timothy, and that is why I believe that he addresses the whole thing of safe childbirth, is because there was such a emphasis on this goddess Artemis who was both the god of fertility and they looked to her for conception and favor for conception and delivery and all that and the apostle Paul is confronting that head on. I believe that's also why he, 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 he gives instruction on how women ought to dress because there was a very seductive city in which they lived. Let's just put it that, let's put it nice. And there was emphasis on things in, for, in women that should not have been on women. It's believed that the goddess Artemis wore a necklace around her neck that w- was made up of female breasts. Just silliness. Often uh, images often uh, naked. And it's in this context that that the Apostle Paul has left Timothy to pastor a church. I would not have wanted to be Timothy. I'm just saying. And it seems from his, uh, Paul's writing that he was quite a young man. So it's in this turmoil that the Apostle Paul is writing... And once again, as we read last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, women, be silent. And I want to remind us again that there'd be a reason that women would have lots of questions because they were uneducated. And they're on a huge learning curve because they're brought into this family of God where they're a daughter of the Most High God. And not only that, but they've been given a voice. And they've been given a a spirit dwelling within them. Several years ago, uh, Keith Hazel was here. You may remember him. He's passed away now. He was a prophet that Alan brought in. But he said something. He said, theology is great if it works. And one of the challenges that we find in our day is by trying to silence women in the church is it really doesn't work very well when God puts his spirit, like he said he would, upon men and women equally. And all of a sudden, there's women that are carrying a grace and an anointing for things that our rule book says, you can't do that. It's important for us to understand that whether we're men or women, the call to preach the gospel does not come from man, it comes from God. And it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, the uh, call to be who God has called you to be comes from Him. Now, in our church, we have an eldership, and I in order to carry out the call that I've been given, not from man, but from God, I come under the authority of the elders. Renee comes under the authority of the elders. Why? Because she needs her calling from them? No, she already had it. And she didn't get it from me either, by the way. She got it from God. 
Just like I did. Just like Pastor Dave did. So yes, and we're, we're functioning under the authority. But I'll tell you this. This morning I'm functioning under Renee's authority as the lead pastor that has been given delegated authority from the elders to lead this service. And I have no problem with that. Because it is the line of authority. Now, I want us to take a look very quickly before I... Yes, I am using up my time. I want us to look at this phrase, I do not permit women to teach or have authority over men, but to be in silence. I want us to look at that word authority. It is only used once in all of Scripture, that word that is translated. It's authentio. And I want you to know that as one of the leaders in this church and as one of the elders, we do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority, authentio, over a man. But you also need to know that we do not allow a man to have authentio over a woman or anyone else. So what is authentio? That word is used only once and it's used there and it means usurped authority. So I'll say it in English. We do not allow any woman to teach and have usurped authority over a man in this church. But we do not allow any man to have usurped authority over a woman or anyone else in this church either. We believe in this house very strongly, and it's in the church government. We believe very much in authority, but it's delegated authority. Renee has authority in this church because it was delegated to her by the elders. It's not usurped authority. And we tend to, and, and again, remember, we're, we're practicing good hermeneutics and we're looking at what context and what is being said in the situation. There's tremendous liberty that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings to all mankind. And when he said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, some of that flesh was female. Some of it, most of it, was Gentile. Get that. Many of it was slave. And yet he poured out his spirit. I want to encourage us in our ability to allow God to be God and to look at Scripture with an awareness that the new thing that he does is always about setting people at liberty. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. If you're here this morning as a woman, 
or whether you're watching online and you've ever been hurt, ever been wounded, ever been abused, spiritually I'm speaking, by over-domineering men, I want to stand in the gap as a man and ask for your forgiveness. If you're here this morning and you are a woman and you have ever been hurt by a pastor or a leader, a church leader, and I'm well realizing it might have been me, I want to ask for your forgiveness. One of the new things that God was doing on the day of Pentecost when he poured out his spirit was to release the full complement of his creation for the work of advancing his kingdom. The full complement. I am very aware as a minister who's been doing this for a while that we need both men and women functioning in the call that they have. Now, I do want to say this. If you're here this morning and you're a woman and you feel like if you had been a man, you'd be somewhere different in your walk with God, I want to suggest that may not be true. By that I mean... God has an ability to bring promotion and bring advancement to his sons and his daughters. There can be a desire to be something that we're not and will never be, both for men and women. And so the fact that you are a woman does not mean that if you were a man, you'd be somehow different. I don't believe that you'd be the same. Now, you maybe would have been viewed differently or treated differently. But you can have confidence that your God is able to get you from where you are and where you've been to where you're going, whether you're a man or a woman. It's important that we understand that God is very serious in this day about advancing his kingdom and he will use whoever he can and whoever he's designed and purposed to. I strongly believe that God is not a respecter of persons, male or female. Do we have our functions and roles and family and all that? Absolutely. But I'm talking about in Christ, where there's neither Jew nor, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. In the work of the ministry, there's an equality that God put in place. And you only need to look around the earth to see it being played out and being played out very fruitful. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. I encourage us to look at the fruit of many, 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 many countless women across the globe.
spiritual fruit, heavenly birthed fruit, heavenly ordained fruit, heavenly inspired. You went quiet on me. Let's stand. Father, we ask you to help us be a voice for you, no matter whether we're male or female, whether we're young or old. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be recipients of the outpouring of your spirit. We thank you for the privilege that we have to prophesy, to declare with our voice the good things of God, to declare the gospel, the good news. We ask you to bless every person here, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.